Hey everyone, welcome back for another little shorty. Today we're going to talk about a story that I'm pretty sure everybody's familiar with, The Ugly Duckling. Just as a warning ahead of time, my dog is eating right now, so if you do hear something that sounds like a dragon snacking on a baby bird, that would be him. That's not what's actually happening, but it's definitely what it sounds like. He's half Newfoundland, so he is not a quiet eater at all, or quiet drinker for that matter. So uh, try not to be alarmed. There's no actual violence happening here at the time. So The Ugly Duckling by Hans Christian Andersen does uh, open with um, <laughs> kind of an interesting commentary about how summer in Denmark is beautiful and the rest of the year is ugly. Rude, but okay, way to go, Anderson. <laughs> He's he doesn't pull his punches with his opinions. If you ever read any of Hans Christian Andersen's stories, he he just kind of goes for it. It's crazy. Um, it talks about how a duck built herself a nice, warm little nest for her first little batch of eggs and was sitting on them. Five of them were nice little white eggs, but the sixth, larger one, was an ugly gray, and she was pretty confused by this egg. This, like I said, is her first time bringing eggs into the world, so she's pretty pleased and proud that, you know, five out of six turning out well isn't too bad. And other birds kind of suspected that some lazy mother bird had dumped off the extra egg on her and just kind of shoved it into her nest. This sounds like a really weird thing to suspect, but I was visiting a farm, like plantation reenactment place with my family like a week or two ago, and I watched as one chicken stole another chicken's egg and just, you know, ruffled her little feathers and sat on it like, no, I, I totally laid this egg. She did not. I saw it happen. She, she's a baby napper. So I guess this is a reasonable thing for the other ducks to be worried about. Specifically, it mentions a few times that them worrying about this being a turkey egg. I don't want know why turkeys are especially horrible to these ducks. Something to do with their lack of swimming skills, apparently. Yeah, it, it mentions several times in the story about a duck's self-worth having to do with how well they swim. And their looks, apparently. Anyway... First, uh, she thinks that she's kind of better and more dedicated to hatching her eggs than the other ducks who will leave their eggs to go swimming and then come back, and she doesn't. She's she's very dedicated. Like most brand new mothers, she's super zealous about making sure she is right there at all times. And uh, we've all seen human moms that are this same way, that when they first have that first baby, nothing around the baby can actually touch the baby. Everything must be disinfected at all times. And then you see moms who've had a couple babies that when the pacifier drops on the ground, they just pop that thing in their mouth and pop it back in the baby's mouth and act like it's no big deal. This is kind of what's happening with this duck here. This is her first brood. So she's sitting on the eggs morning, noon, and night, not taking any breaks. And she sees all of the other more experienced mothers around her that are you know, going swimming and eating and taking care of their own health and their own social needs as well. Ducks are social creatures and they're, you know, gossiping and stuff like that, whatever ducks talk about, I don't know. But she feels like she's a better mom, just like all of these brand new moms do because she's more dedicated. Apparently she will learn like these other new moms do that, uh, 
you have to kind of take care of yourself as well, or else you won't be there to take care of the babies. Anyway, she's, she's pretty keen on herself and uh, doesn't take any extra breaks. But eventually she begins to long for freedom again and is super relieved when the first five eggs begin to crack. By the next day, she has five cute, fuzzy little yellow ducklings, but the big egg has still shown no signs of wiggling, moving, or being done. Eventually, the big egg does hatch, and there's a big, awkward, ugly bird coming forth with a long, naked neck and a murky, gray-brown body. Doesn't sound super ugly to me, but, you know, it's biased. Um, the mother duck needs the duck mate, or meets the mar duck matriarch, as is tradition with brand, uh, brand new litter of babies, and was presenting the little ducks, and all of the other ducks begin to attack the ugly duckling. The ducks begin to speak ill of him as if he's not there, and he begins to feel very insecure and ashamed of himself. Eventually, even he, he even hears his own mother speaking poorly of him, and that even she can't really love him, that she takes him on as kind of her her duty and her burden, but she's not, doesn't actually feel any actual affection for the poor baby. On a side note, worst mother ever, you know, we, I think all kids at some point or another suspect that mom likes my brother or sister best, or mom would be, have it a little easier if she didn't have to look after me or anything like that. Can you imagine hearing your mother actually say that? That, no, I like, I like those other five. They're good looking and strong swimmers and whatnot, but that last one, man, oh, boy, regret. <laughs> you know? So it's, it's awful if that he overhears her say that she defends him somewhat publicly she talks about well he's not very good looking but at least he's a good swimmer apparently that counts as defending him and that comforts him for a while but he does eventually catch her talking to another duck speaking quite poorly about him about how she uh thinks it might be a little better if he died just because his life is going to be very horrible just because he's not good looking Eventually, he can't, can't take it anymore, knowing that everybody hates him, all of the adult ducks keep trying to kill him, and his own mother thinks he's an eyesore and would rather he wasn't around, so he runs away to be on his own. Bear in mind, this is not a full-grown duck. This is just a little, little fuzzy duckling, right? And uh, so he kind of stumbles away and runs into some wild ducks. Now, these wild ducks aren't quite as particular as the ducks on the farm. They don't mind his ugliness as long as he doesn't marry any of their daughters, you know, doesn't get, get involved in any of their families. So he rests there. At least they're not attacking him and trying to kill him. He'll, he'll never produce an heir, but, you know, he'll be able to live in peace. And that's really all he wants at this point. He's just a baby. He's not thinking about having kids or anything. Um, but eventually they two move on. So he hides in an old woman's house after escaping from some hunters that began to kill the wild ducks. So in the flurry of people escaping, he's too little to fly. So he's not really in any danger from the hunters, but he doesn't know that a lot of the wild ducks die and he goes and hides at this old lady's house. At the old lady's house, there is a cat and a hen who live with the old woman and tell her that this duckling had moved in and they let him stay. They're pretty convinced that he's, he's worthless, but the old lady is, you know, short-sighted. She can't see very well. She's hoping that it's actually a lady duck and eventually she'll lay eggs. It's not the case. Ugly duckling is a 
boy. So eventually he does not lay eggs. They wait and wait and wait. And it doesn't happen. So um, eventually when his desire to go swimming gets the best of him, he leaves the old lady's house. And the cat and the hen are really okay with it. They, they didn't like him much anyway. The cat was convinced that the finest quality that a person can have is to be able to meow. And uh, the hen kind of feels the same way about laying eggs. So she was a little nervous at first, thinking she was going to be replaced by this duck. But either way, they're, they're convinced he's worthless because he can't do either of those things. And they're not too sorry to see the back of him. So he wanders down to the water and goes swimming. And soon winter comes and everything becomes cold and wet. And the river he's swimming in freezes over. And as it does, he happens to see a flock of swans flying overhead to warmer climates. He longs to go with them. Something deep within him tells him that he belongs with them. And he just feels his soul move as though he should be up there with them. But at the same time, I told you, he's just a baby. He can't fly. So he watches them go, really helpless to, to make any change. The days grow colder and colder, and eventually the ice creeps closer and closer to him until it even freezes him into the pond. But a man with thick wooden shoes saw him and stomped on the ice, cracking it, and takes the unconscious duckling with him in his coat. The man takes the duckling home to play with his kids and to be fed and to be warm and kept as a pet. And at first, the duckling is so used to other people being cruel to him that he's afraid and the children you know want to laugh and play with this this new pet and he's so used to being abused that he thinks they're attacking him so he does as soon as he's well enough run away because he's so frightened of them from there on the book says that he's not even sure how he survived the rest of the winter that it was all a haze of semi-consciousness but he does eventually make it through and when spring comes, he's finally big enough to fly. He flies to a pond where he sees a flock of beautiful, graceful swans. And wanting to be near such beauty, he follows at a distance. Eventually, he wants to be with them so badly that he doesn't care if they attack him and try to kill him like the ducks he grew up with. He just wants to be near them. So he goes forward and stretches out his head and tells them that they can kill him because it's better to be near them than to never be with them at all. They notice him and they're super excited to see him. They call him their brother and they welcome him into their family. He's confused by this at first until he notices his own reflection and that he is also a beautiful swan and has been all along. It's kind of interesting too. We hear, um, we hear the children too of the farmer when he eventually goes back to the farm talk about how he's the, the best, most beautiful swan of all. So it's kind of nice to see him get to where he belongs. Of course, there's always kind of a uh, awkward phase that most people have as they're growing up where you're not the most attractive duck in the farm either. And so I think this story kind of addresses that, first of all. And, uh, you know, everybody has a phase where they're just, even if you don't have an awkward looking phase, you have a phase where you're very insecure about yourself before you kind of get comfortable in your skin. I think for most people, this hits around like the middle school area of your life, you know, somewhere between like 11 and 14, where you haven't quite figured out how to dress, you're dealing with skin issues. If you're a young man, your voice is changing, which 
I've never experienced as a girl, but it must be the most confusing thing ever. Even in middle school, I always felt bad for the boys in choir because I wondered how on earth they can control their boys to sing. Singing was always a big part of my my life, so I just I couldn't imagine how disorienting that would be to not have any control over your voice at all. So we all have kind of a weird phase, and it all, for most of us, tends to happen right in there. And so um, I think there's also a message here about not abusing those who are less fortunate than yourself, because someday they may not be. And uh, also talks about how the ugly duckling was even happy that he had gone through such a rough childhood because it made him appreciate his beauty once he was a swan all the more. And so I think there's a pretty clear message there about how misfortunes do make you appreciate the good times more and it builds up your strength and endurance so that when things are a little easy, you definitely have a greater appreciation for that. There's also a lot of, I don't know how to describe it. Anderson considered The Ugly Duckling his autobiography. He was asked by people to write an autobiography towards the end of his life because he was born in a poverty and obscurity and, and did kind of socially climb most of his life. People wanted kind of a, a firsthand account of all of that. And when he was asked to write an autobiography, he said that he already had and that it was The Ugly Duckling. Anderson was, by all accounts, even his own, an ugly child and tormented relentlessly by his peers at school. He was long and gangly. He had a big nose and big feet and big hands. He's described this way not only by himself, but by people who knew him at the time. So, you know, when you're, if you're like me and you tend to be your own harshest critic as far as looks go, you're thinking, oh, well, maybe Anderson was just being hard on himself. Well, the people around him said this of him as well. And generally, people try to not be that abruptly rude about other people's physical appearance. At least they used to be. And so, yeah, I mean, if it was that bad, apparently it was pretty bad. He was also poor and born into a lower class. His, um, his mother was not married to his father. His father at one point claimed to him, to Anderson, that uh, they descended from a noble line, from royalty. And so despite being an illegitimate child, he always felt entitled to nobility despite being part of the lower class. And this led to a huge amount of envy for Anderson his whole life for the upper classes and seeing them live a lifestyle that he felt was owed to him, but that just misfortune had taken from him. He therefore tended to write a lot of stories like The Ugly Duckling and The Little Mermaid about somebody who is stuck in the wrong world and wants to be a part of another world, somebody who's underappreciated and misunderstood, because that's how he felt. He felt that he was the son of a count or a duke or something like that because of what his father had told him as, you know, far as his lineage. He felt that he was owed this grand lifestyle when really nobody is owed anything of the sort. You don't really deserve those things unless you earn them yourself. But he felt that he'd been kind of uh, given the short straw, I guess as far as his life situation was concerned. And that's, that's really rough. I don't, I don't know 
where he gets this idea that he was just one place away from being royalty when he wasn't even legitimized. You know, it's like, oh, if your if your father wanted you to be part of this royal line so badly, he probably would have married your mother. You know, considering that would have made you higher ranking just in terms of then at least you'd be a legitimate child, even if you do come from a regular poor family, you know, that would still move you a step up in the world. But he believed this claim, I don't know whether it's true or not, that he was descended from some line of ancient royalty and therefore deserved a life of nobility. And therefore, as his stories became more and more and more popular, he kept trying and trying to befriend and even uh, court some members of the nobility so that he could socially climb his way back into their class. Unfortunately for him, this only got him so far as being around these people for the sake of them wanting to be around his stories. They saw him more as an entertainer rather than one of their peers, whereas he always saw himself as one of their peers. And this is kind of emphasized also in The Little Mermaid in that The Little Mermaid, while she lives with the prince, is not part of his social circle, if that makes any sense. And so you see a lot of these metaphors by Anderson of his own life, and the ugly duckling is the one that he explicitly stated was an autobiography of himself. I, I don't know if he assumed that at some point his peers around him would recognize him as a swan, as someone of noble birth, and he was just waiting for that magical day to occur. But it, I'm... I just think living your whole life in envy like that must be very unsatisfying. And we don't really have any indication as to whether or not Anderson ever did kind of move beyond this kind of envy and depression that he seemed to feel his entire life. But he did consider himself the ugly duckling. And uh, that concludes today's story. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned a little more about Hans Christian Anderson. And I look forward to speaking with you again later. Have a good one.